You are listening to Open Science Talk, the podcast about open science. My name is Per Pippin Aspols, and in this episode we shall talk about open educational resources in a time marked by lockdown due to COVID-19. What have we learned about open educational resources, or more broadly about education online, previous to the COVID-19 crisis? And how did the period of lockdown affect teaching here at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway? And last but not least, what can we say about the future of online education after the current crisis? I am joined today by Marianne Löxe, Head of Library Services, and Öystein Lund, Head of the Resource Center for Teaching, Learning and Technology at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. Welcome to the program, Marianne and Öystein. Thank you. Thank you. On 12th March 2020, all campus teaching across Norway was closed. Students were literally banned from campus for weeks. It is only now, towards the very end of the semester, that students have been allowed back in. I know that UAT has 10 physical libraries in five cities, and all of these locations were closed. And how was it to run a library in this situation, Marianne? It was uh, both different and difficult, to, to put it plainly. The situation came even though we've heard about the COVID-19 virus for a while, it came very sudden, it felt very sudden for us when we were closing down. And I mean, both to take care of stuff, what, what could stuff do when there are no, no libraries open? What should we do then? How could we support each other? How, can you, how, how should we work on from home? And then of course, which was most hard for us at the libraries, how can we provide our users with the literature they need because they were in their exam periods and we couldn't we couldn't help them uh, we could we did our very best to to lead them over to digital literature but of course some students desperately wanted physical books from our collections so when that when we were able to open again only a few hours a day that was a great relief for us because when you when your main job is to provide for students and, and, and researchers at the university and you cannot do that uh, the way you used to do, you, you feel a bit of despair. How can I do my job properly now? So different, difficult, but I think we survived, all of us. Yeah, you mentioned two things. One is the students and the other is the staff. I know that the University Library of UIT is not only handling physical books and journals, of course, we have uh, plenty of materials online as well. Uh, you mentioned digital books, but one particular service that I know that you have been central in building up is teaching information literacy to students. What is information literacy? Basically, information literacy is knowing how to deal with information, to put it very plainly, uh, which includes finding the literature you need, uh, using it, perhaps using it to produce new information, new research. Um, and our headline when it comes to information literacy is learning. By becoming information literate, you will be able to learn better. So we think that by being able to sort out 
uh, relevant literature for your studies or your research, and, and being, being able to evaluate that literature. Perhaps being able to read it, understand it better, makes uh, learning easier for you. So that's what we think when we work with, with uh, information literacy at the library. We think learning, that's on the forefront of, of what we do. And that's why also we have learning strategies included in our teaching in this, on this topic. So information literacy in Norwegian, it's called informationskompetanse, which means information competence. So you need to be confident in finding and dealing with information. And in our world, increasingly information online, of course. A few years ago, you, Marianne, decided, along with some colleagues, to produce a digital online course whereby students could improve their information literacy skills. This course was called ICOMP. ICOMP is a so-called MOOC, a massive open online course available for free in both a Norwegian and now also a English language version. But previous to, to ICOMP you were writing textbooks on information literacy. So why did you decide to take this step from the traditional textbook format over to a digital platform? It wasn't my decision alone, to, just to make that clear. And, 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 and it was a natural step to take, because I, I like text as much as any other academic, and I like books. But a course like this is both a supplement and something in addition to uh, other learning materials. It is, you have the possibilities of interaction, for instance, by activating students, quizzes, etc. Um, tests that they could go through to see did, did I understand the videos and the text that I just went through and it's more flexible so you could take it whenever and wherever you are and whoever you are you don't have to be a student to take this course you can be a teacher at a small village or, or um, anyone could take it so this idea that we provide something that is open for everyone uh, was important to us and, and also N not everyone is interested in reading a book about information literacy. Maybe they just want some tips on how to read an academic text or how should I deal with all my references and things like that. So maybe they could just go into that course and take one segment of it instead of reading books. And I know people, I mean, the world is full of online material and, 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 and I think students like the variety. Some students like books, some like videos, some like everything. A combination of various uh, formats, really. So I think it was an important uh, thing for us to do, to reach out also to all the students who are not on campus, for instance. You recently contributed to a festschrift dedicated to one of our colleagues here at the library, Stein Heidelsvik. And Stein, he was a pioneer in virtually all branches of open science at UIT, although he was not personally involved in the field of education that much. But in your contribution to this fest shift, you highlight your experience with ICOMP and you ask whether the time is now ripe to think about open education in the same manner as we think about open research data, open access to publications, etc. What did you mean by that? In, in my view, the basic of open science is sharing. Sharing 
what we know with the rest of the world. So it's about the community or the society as, as a whole and how to give back to society uh, what we sit here in our offices and produce. Um, but when I say let's look at look at open education, I also have to emphasize that, that when I say that, I don't mean necessarily that every academic or every teacher should put all their videos online, um, their lectures online, uh, and, and put them out there for everyone. Sharing open educational resources is, or making them open is, is about more than videos. It's about all kinds of learning materials, including texts, software, tests, you can, if you're, if you're a teacher in organic chemistry and made a really good test or a quiz for your students and think, oh, this was really good, it would really make them think. And, and you could say, okay, maybe more people in the world could use this. Maybe another teacher in organic chemistry will find this useful or any other any student. Um, so it's about, it, it's, it's, it's not as narrow as some might think. And it might be course materials that you, you're happy with. You think, I want to share this, which will benefit other students around the world, doubling in the same topic, other teachers, not to forget that, make their world or make them, give them more inspiration uh, to, to learn from what other people have been doing. And, and as I said, society, we're a, a university here in Norway, we're a state institution. Um, it's important to give back, to, to make people realise that we, we do something useful and to get that, to share that, uh, not just the research that's, and the publications, but also the teaching materials, to, to give a bit of what we do back to society. I think that's my, my main drive uh, when, I, when I talk about open education. If we return to ICOM, then the that course consists of teaching materials in the form of texts, and there are some recorded videos there. There are multiple choice, test yourself services that help the students progress through the different chapters, so to speak. There are some students that take this course all by themselves, whereas others take it as a supplement to traditional teaching delivered by staff from the library that visit classes and take the students through the same topics in the classroom. So. With this multiple choice service, I, I would guess that you get at least some sense of the learning outcomes for students that do it all by themselves. But is this enough? Do you see any possible downsides to open educational resources that now that we are gradually moving away from traditional face-to-face -face teaching and over to a purely digital platform like iComp? There's, there's so many advantages to, to flexible and online education. Uh, but education is also about discussions, about dialogue, uh, about engagement, um, sharing experiences, feedback. Um, and I think that and we are, I mean, we are all social beings. Um, it is easier to learn. Well, I... I I, th I think it's easier to learn when you're in a community, you, you feel part of something. And of course, that can be done online. But if you look at the recent COVID-19 lockdown, there was a student survey at this university where lack of motivation, for instance, lack of 
information? Who should I ask when nobody was close enough? Uh, so this, this thing about how do I learn if I'm all by myself? It's not an easy thing to do and you have to be really driven to, to, to go through a completely online uh, course. And I, I know loads of students do that and, and with success, but I think the human factor is still a very important part of education that at least you need something to share your opinions with, to discuss and, and to sort of um, find out my opinions, your opinions, uh, um, how can we go further, how can we take this topic to another level, etc. You need to, I think there's a, a need to, to have a um, common uh, discussion on, on things that you feel you're part of something. That's what, why I think we still need teachers on, on campus. Right. Uh, Öystein Lund, you have worked in the field of online education for several years. And you hold a PhD in online supervision and learning. And shortly before this COVID-19 lockdown arrived, you became the leader of a special unit here at UIT called the Resource Center for Teaching, Learning and Technology. What is that? That is um, a unit uh, at the university library uh, established to support faculty members in uh, the, at all departments at the university in developing their quality of teaching and uh, help them use technology to uh, facilit facilitate and support student learning. We provide, provide uh, courses for new members or faculty in teaching and learning in higher education and we also produce learning resources like video, podcast and also web resources. And uh, as a specialist in online supervision and learning, where do you see the main challenges in online teaching as compared to the classroom? Uh, are the learning outcomes generally the same or are there any pitfoil, pitfalls that should be avoided? Well, first we have the faculty members uh, to uh, get confidence in using technology. That's an uh, obvious uh, challenge. But also, I think one pitfall uh, might be that um, lecturers tend to, uh, when um, um, challenged or forced to go digital, they tend to choose the um, uh, approaches and tools that are most similar to what they know from before. And um, also perhaps choose the tools and the methods that their self are most confident in. So we try to move the focus from what are you confident with to what does gain the student learning best. Yeah, so you move away from what is the teacher comfortable with technologically speaking, yeah. over to what is the student tech, uh, uh, what, what helps the student best. Yes, Could you give exactly. any examples of that? Well, um, one um, uh, distinction there is between um, uh, simultaneous or um, uh, teaching, uh, when you have to be uh, present at the same time, to uh, teaching when you use video or online um, uh, discussions when you have the flexibility. And uh, often um, when uh, teachers prefer this uh, simultaneous uh, teaching, 
students prefer video that gives them far more flexibility and also the possibility to, to repeat uh, difficult passages and also to gain and use again these videos when you approach uh, your exam. You mentioned online uh, videos uh, where lectures are recorded, for instance. And how then about intellectual property rights? I mean, the rights of teachers that are, for some reason or other, are skeptical about using an open license such as Creative Commons on, on such a video. Uh, what is happening at UIT to tackle such concerns? Yes. Yes, we see when expected to produce digital learning resources uh, that some lecturers seem to be concerned with uh, copyright issues. And they come up with questions like, uh, what rights do I have as an author to uh, on uh, digital uh, learning resources? Are there any limitation on how the university can use the produced material? And also, are there any limitation on how students can use and share their material? And the paradox here is that we at our university, we in fact have a contract form uh, which um, uh, faculty uh, members are encouraged to use to handle the relation between um, the author, author's copyright and the university's right to use the material. But uh, for some reason, this form is very rarely used. So what we now uh, come up with um, as a possible solution is that um, uh, this regulation uh, comes up uh, as a part of the general agreement between university uh, and each member of faculty. Right, so you have a default contract, so to speak, that in case no teacher has a special concern, then that is what is uh, that, applied. Yes, that's a possible option, but it's not decided yet. I see. Yeah. And how then about the students? I mean, here in Norway, where we don't have a tradition of tuition fees, any classroom session is in principle a public lecture. So in case a student from a neighboring field, for instance, or somebody from the interested public, for that matter, would like to visit a lecture, he or she is free to do so, uh, insofar as there are free seats left in the room, I guess. Um, however, when a classroom session is transformed into an online session, I would guess that not everybody would be happy to, to have their ignorance exposed, exposed online for all to see. I mean, what happens in terms of student participation when, when uh, lectures are migrated to an online version? Yes, this is an, really an issue that's ha that has come up uh, in this period. Uh, and uh, due to GDPR uh, regulations, students must be informed that filming is uh, going on. And um, uh, they shall not be individually exposed in the, in the video. But uh, of course, um, knowing that this session is being filmed uh, really can limit their participation, their active participation uh, in a lecture. So my opinion uh, on this is that live te teaching is best live. And video is best when it's produced for this purpose. Uh, produced in studio or produced as a screencast and not as a recording of live 
teaching. That's my opinion on this uh, issue. And how then about the student participation? If it's all been recorded, the, the feedback to the teacher can't be done uh, in real time, of course. No, that's, uh, that's another question. But uh, then you have the concept, for instance, on flipped classroom, when you combine a video with uh, these seminars uh, when you are together, uh, students together and with their lecturer. Uh, to have the conversation and then you have video to uh, present the the topics. We're now moving from digital lectures more and more over to, to more flexible formats like MOOCs for instance, uh, these massive open online courses. You should point out that um, participants from your research center have been central to the development of ICOMP uh, from the very start along with Marianne and several colleagues at the Department of Library Service. But I know that there are other MOOCs that have been produced uh, here at UIT in uh, recent years. Could you give us some examples? Yes, we, um, uh, for the Department uh, of uh, Education and uh, National, we uh, produced uh, a MOOC for the community uh, sector, for um, uh, supervisor, uh, for teaching at the community sector. That's similar to ICOMP or? No, it's, uh, it's quite different because the purpose uh, was uh, quite different. Um, when this uh, ICOMP, uh, it's um, uh, the open edX was used as a tool and that's very well suited uh, for developing linear courses um, with the chapters or modules that you're supposed to, uh, to follow in a given order. But for this uh, course for the supervisors at the community sector, they didn't want a course. They wanted a learning resource with the possibility to, to pick the topics after um, what was your interest and need. So then we used um, WordPress as a platform or a tool uh, to develop that where you can facilitate for a more free navigation. Uh, depending on what is most relevant for you. And um, uh, that was a really is important aspect with this uh, learning resource for the community sector. So a learning resource does not uh, always mean a formal course. Yeah, it can be an, a resource out there that people can dip in and out and pick and choose what they like. Yes, use it far more freely. Yeah. I have a final question to both of you, actually. Uh, in Norwegian, the word for library is actually a Greek one. We use bibliothek, which literally means a place to store books. As you have both demonstrated, you do a lot more. This library has, uh, the library services department has some 60 permanent full-time employed staff and the resource center for teaching, learning and technology has 17. Uh, a library with such manpower is capable of offering far more than the, the still very important service of preserving and lending out printed books. But what if we try to see beyond this exceptional semester of lockdown and uncertainty? Where do you see the role of the university library in the field of open education? Marianne. 
Um, as we always have done at the library, our role is to support teachers and students um, at our institution. And one of our strengths is providing both information and infrastructure to the services that UIT needs and wants. Um, so when it comes to open educational resources, I think that's where we will be do be a, a good partner for UIT because we have this long experience with working on open science in general and it has taken a long time so I don't expect that in a few months uh, open educational resources will be the, the talk of the town uh, so to speak in, on, in UIT. I think it will be a long process. I think uh, the library could help researchers in figuring out both the copyright, the licensing and and what to put out there, what to not put out there, and, and how to deal, and also encourage sharing, uh, which we have done when it comes to publication. So that's where I think we should do what we're good at. And, 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 and I will also say it must be the university as an institution must also work with this idea that sharing resources is an important thing to do, both now in this COVID-19 situation, but also in the future. And how about you, Einstein? Yeah, I have uh, three uh, functions that I think uh, are quite important here. It's facilitation, information and motivation. Facilitation to provide good solutions for uh, sharing and um, with the necessary formal framework uh, and information about the possibilities. And also, as Marianne also said, motivation to share. With this, I thank you very much for taking the time to come to this program. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is produced by the University Library at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. Thanks for listening. <laughs>